This is the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. You know, how much time that they actually have, how many, how many dollars that they actually have, what are they trying to actually accomplish? Is it income, depreciation, equity buildup, appreciation, or leverage? Bigger Pockets does a fantastic job of moving money off of Wall Street and into Main Street. You're listening to the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss tangible tips, tricks, and best practices for becoming financially free. The show is designed for people who want to either start real estate investing or for those who want to scale their real estate business. What's going on, everyone? This is Jonathan Farber, your host of the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. I hope you're all well and healthy. For any first-time listeners, thanks for being here. The goal of this show is to explore ways to become financially free through real estate or to increase passive cash flow through real estate. A little background on myself. I work in corporate America at a software company. My side hustle is real estate. I currently own eight rental units and looking to add more this spring. I have house hacked, bird, flipped, and done short-term rentals to name a few strategies. My current focus is 20 to 30 unit apartment buildings in Ohio and Kentucky. I love to network and learn. So if you'd like to connect further, feel free to find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or BiggerPockets. All right, guys, today we have a special guest, someone I've had the chance to get to know a little better since recording, and now someone I'd call a friend and a mentor, but some of you guys may know him from other content or just real estate in general. Our guest today is Logan Freeman. Logan is based out of Kansas City, and we first connected from my brother actually setting up a call with him and his team. I think my brother was looking at cities in the Midwest to invest in and came across Logan and set up a call. Uh, Logan rocks his calendar with a lot of calls throughout the week. And this was one that he jumped on with um, my brother, myself, and one other friend, actually Adam Ali. And it was hilarious. Logan, I remember I was so impressed. And my brother kind of threw it on me at the last minute, just because he knows I'd talked to maybe a few more investors than him to just jump on and lead the call. And I was actually sick the entire like week before. I didn't have coronavirus. I don't think I did at least. It was a stomach virus. And I got on the call and I was so out of it. It was the first time I probably talked to anyone in like four days. And immediately I felt like my fever was going up and I jump on and immediately like I called him by the wrong name. I don't even remember the conversation, but I looked into him a lot after. I was just like, oh man, we really started on the wrong foot, but it was fine. The call went all right, but it was just a funny way to start the relationship. And then since following Logan's story has been amazing. And then having the chance to develop a relationship and then do this conversation and dig into more of a story. It's just incredible. So I'm really hyped up to have him on today. And I think you guys can get so much value out of his story and what he does on a day-to-day basis and just his attitude. So um, that's kind of the main thing that I wanted to talk about with his background is, I mean, he's scaled a business and now he's got an awesome portfolio. He started from single family and small multifamily, and now he's grown into much bigger projects on the commercial side of things where he buys either uh, full buildings, uh, apartment buildings, or he'll buy warehouses and he'll do full rehabs. But now he's using investors capital. People invest with him to build um, their business or his business. And now that is, as you guys know, called syndication. But it's just an amazing story. And the thing that I take away from talking with him is his energy. Just like unbelievable the amount of energy and persistence that you hear come through anytime he opens his mouth. And he's so educated, like the books he's read and he talks about a lot of authors and content creators he follows, which we get into also, but it's just really cool to hear. So attitude and persistence were the main things that I wrote down at the beginning of this episode and had all throughout it. So 
it's, it's really shines through on this. And I think you guys are going to get a lot out of it. Today's tangible tip is Facebook marketplace to furnish your properties. If you have any rentals or you have Airbnbs, um, I find Facebook marketplace to be an amazing place to do this. I typically like to use Facebook marketplace during the week when I think it might get a little less attention as opposed to on the weekends, everyone's just kind of scrolling and bored and thinking, what do we need in the house? But during the week, uh, randomly just amazing deals pop up and you can usually negotiate and you can usually get more pictures or get an idea of what you need, but it's just an easy way to furnish a place. And I know, you know, cleaning is important and obviously with coronavirus, making sure that everything is staying safe, but uh, hopefully you can do it the right way. And then if there's something you need to clean, it's still typically a lot cheaper than buying something um, retail in the store. So I've had some really good luck with that stuff, especially with the Airbnbs, but it's a great tip if you're not on it for anything in general, but definitely for furniture. So that was today's tangible tip. Without any further ado, let's get into today's amazing episode with Logan Freeman. All right, Logan, welcome to the podcast. Man, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and uh, super pumped to connect with you again. Dude, absolutely. I, I was excited to have you on, excited to listen to your content the last couple of days. Um, it was cool even just before we uh, jumped on hit record. I know you had the music cranking in the background. I've seen it on social. Yep. How you start your day, get in an empowered state, get ready to just win the day. Uh, we'll get into all that as far as mindset, how you take action. Um, but really, I, I was thinking about how we first got connected. Kind of a funny story. My brother, I think, first saw a deal that Parker had in Kansas City. We talked a little bit about it. I've been doing some investing in the Midwest. And uh, he kind of looped me on to, to do the call. I was actually, I don't know if I had COVID. I, had, I was very sick that week. And he looped yeah. me on. I wasn't sure. I remember I was like, in a daze. But at the time, I remember, man, this guy's impressive. And he's done so many deals in such a short period of time. Uh, and he's a young guy, too. I know you've referenced it in some other uh, uh, podcasts. You don't have a ton of gray hairs in your head. Yep. You got a nice head of hair, but not a lot of gray hair. But anyway, I don't know if I have I any, really man. I don't think I have any. So I, if you guys are check out the video, I, I promise I think it's all brown. So we should be good. That is, I swear, one of the best heads of hair we've ever had on the podcast. All I will right. Say that. You know what I always say, um, man, is hair's right, sales right. Wow. Love it. All right. So I got some work to do, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, man, just, just after that, I've been following your stuff, been sharing your content out with my groups, just other people on social, just a great place to start. So for those that don't know, haven't seen you yet or heard you on many of the podcasts and platforms you've been on or do, you mind just giving a quick background on yourself and how you got started in all this and where you're at today? Absolutely. So I'm a Jefferson City, Missouri boy. So basically, for all your listeners, what that means is, if you look at the United States in the middle of the, of the United States, there's a there's a state called Missouri. Some of it, some people call it misery, but it is Missouri. And then right in the middle of the Missouri state is Jefferson City. And it's right on the, the, the Missouri River. And it's a big farm town. But it's also the capital of Missouri. And so there's, uh, you know, this stigma about Jefferson City, where it just kind of, you get in this mode of, of kind of settling. And I have nothing against Jefferson City, but I, I knew at an early age that uh, for some reason, my dad instilled this kind of this, this thought in, in, in my head that said, Logan, if you want to be something, you can achieve it, but you have to set your mind to it. And my dad, we could talk about that later, but my dad had a big impact on me for, for that. But I grew up, man, you know, watching my mom work two jobs, trying to put us through Catholic schools and giving me the best education that I possibly could. And I really, really modeled her kind of 
whole lifestyle after that was being frugal, working really hard and diligent and setting a goal and putting priorities in place. And so that, that allowed me to have a really successful athletic career through high school and then all the way up to college. And so I was a, a collegiate athlete at the University of Central Missouri, which is a, a smaller Division II school, not too far from Kansas City, where I played collegiate football, was the captain of the football team, ended up having some really good seasons. And, uh, you know, I show up for practice one day, and, and I saw the NFL scouts starting to, to come and watch practice. And I went over to my offensive lineman coach, and I said, hey, coach, you know, who are, who are they here to see? And uh, they said, well, son, they're here to see you. And that was really, really cool for me. And, and, and so I uh, definitely practiced a little bit harder during those, uh, those practices, but had the opportunity to uh, get picked up as an undrafted free agent uh, with the Oakland Raiders, went out to rookie camp and, and stayed there for a couple weeks. And, and uh, you know, ultimately it was not the right place for me to be. And, and so I, I do believe that God had a different plan for me. So pushed me into a different direction and allowed me to go back to, to, to get my master's degree and, and well, not playing football anymore. You know, I didn't have a scholarship, so I needed to make some money. I needed to get a resume builder going. So I took a job, man, making 250 cold calls a day to K through 12 vendor selling uh, educational data. So, you know, I mean, just sitting in front of a computer screen and just rocking the phones and, like I just, I took a different approach to it. The same approach that I had always taken in my life was like, well, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it the right way. And there's got to be people who have been successful at this before. So I started to, to, to really focus on personal and professional development. And, you know, it was an hour drive to that, that job. And so I would, I would listen to podcasts. I would listen to audio books, anything I can get my, and it was actually CDs back then, uh, Zig Ziglar CDs, Tony Robbins CDs. Um, who's the other guy? I'm thinking of a Darren Hardy's mentor, Jim Rome CDs, all of these CDs. Mm. I mean, I started to, I started to expand the way that I was thinking and I had, I had some success there at that company. I knew I wasn't going to be there long. They knew I wasn't going to be there long, but Hey, you know, get the work out of me while, while I obviously uh, could. So I finished my master's degree and uh, you know, I, I, I had a big transformation during this period of time. I had always identified as an athlete and, um, you know, I lost 100 pounds because I was an offensive lineman at the NFL Combine. I clocked in at uh, 335 or I weighed in at 335. So I was a big boy and uh, still am, but not 335, thankfully, um, anymore. But another big thing happened during this period of time. And, and my, my father lost his battle with drugs and alcohol and uh, that took his life. And so I had this this uh, whole culmination of getting, you know, fired or not fired, but getting cut from the NFL going back, losing a hundred pounds, losing my father. And I just really had to step back and say, all right, man, who the heck are you? And who do you want to be? And I made a decision at that time to really focus on building myself up and, and learning more about how to become the man that I wanted to be, uh, who I thought God wanted me to be, who my future wife wanted would, would want to be around and uh, started to work on myself and, and got into real estate, just uh, started buying some real estate in Kansas city and, I did a flip and uh, I made more money during that flip than I did uh, at my job that year. And I was like, man, there might be something to this, but I didn't get into real estate full time and, until about 
three years later and um, it, you know, I, I got fired from a job. So I then had another big kind of turning point, fired from my job, decided that I wasn't going to go work for anybody else the rest of my life. And I was going to build my life on my terms. I have a incredibly beautiful and smart and successful wife who allowed me to, to do that at the, that time. But thankfully, and, and if you ever ask her, she'll tell you this too, but I was very much cash flow positive. I got fired in December. And um, I won't tell you guys the number, but it was, it was multiple six figures in the first month in January from the, the action that I took between December to January. And, and uh, that's when I got full-time into real estate as well and started my own consulting company. And that kind of leads me here today. I know that was a huge long story, but at least uh, that awesome. gives you guys some, some background. And one thing that I heard you say in another podcast, which I love, and I guess we'll get into your surroundings and the people around you, but uh, I, I think you said that your wife uh, actually presented you with the LLC paperwork at the time and said, this is what you're doing. So I got called in at 6 a.m. at this job that I was making six figures at and, and uh, as a sales job here in Casey. And, and uh, you know, if you get called in at 6 a.m. on a Monday morning, you, you pretty well know what's happening, right? And so I actually took my own cardboard box <laughs> with me because I had a bunch of my books on my desk. There, I had a bunch of my sales books. These are not the, the books that I had, but I always have books around me. And uh, there we go, man. See, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, so yep. I had my books. I just wanted to get my books because I know that there's some weird stuff around when you get fired. They want to send you their stuff and all that. And I was like, well, just let me get my books. So I got my books and uh, I left and I called my wife. I said, Hey, it happened. And she's like, uh, no problem. Uh, you know, just check your email whenever you get home. And so I checked my email and she had already gone on to uh, the Missouri, you know, government's website and started Live Freeman LLC, which is now Live Free Investments. But uh, she said, hey, I'm going to support you in what you want to do. Uh, go get it and make some stuff happen. And so uh, I have an extremely supportive mm. wife that uh, is is the rock of my life. And, and I'm, I'm so lucky to have her. That is awesome. Dude, your energy, like you, you are like, you, you got to be on stages soon. Like Cardone <laughs> has 10x, man. Like, I mean, I, Say whatever you want about that. Some people are, are think highly of him, not so highly. Dude, you have the energy. You need to be on stages someday soon. I mean, you're going to be doing it virtually. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit later in the show, <laughs> kind of some of the stuff we talked about before. But seriously, man, your story is inspiring. Your energy is just – it's so energetic, and it's captivating. So um, really, really cool stuff there. Maybe that'll we'll talk a little bit later in the show about content intake along with the people you surround yourself with, I'm sure – you would uh, talk to that as well. But Absolutely. just a couple steps back, um, digging into the intro a little bit, a lot of people listening to this show, they are trying to figure out how to take that step, put a, put a toe in the water of real estate while holding a full-time job. Yep. Maybe they're hungry, maybe they're not so hungry as you, but they at least want to explore the options. And it sounds like, and I, I've heard you say this in other places, that doing it while you have a full-time job can be a benefit. You can probably scale some things and you have a little umbrella over your head. Um, but for someone listening right now that's thinking about it, I want to just go back into how you did that first flip, how you found it, how you funded it, uh, what your mindset was, was at the time, and then kind of some of your biggest learning. So can you just paint that picture? Absolutely. So, you know, when I was, when I was moving from Warrensburg into Kansas City, that's when I was learning and, and kind of educating myself. And, and I picked up the purple book, which is around here somewhere, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, you know, I read that book and I said, okay, well, I can either – buy a house because I'd been saving money since I was 13 years old. I started a Roth IRA when I was 14 or 15. I can't remember. And so um, it was, wow. yeah. So I was on the Dave Ramsey train in, in, in high school and, and put a bunch of money away. So I had some money and um, 
you know, I, I bought a house and instead of renting and I decided to uh, get on bigger pockets during this period of time and just kind of learn about the market in Kansas City, learn about who was, you know, being active selling investment properties. And I made a bunch of calls to those folks and I had a bunch of, you know, introductions made to me as well. And I, I found a good mentor. And so the, the one thing that I always uh, mention is that you don't have to do this alone and success leaves clues, right? And Russ Gray's always talking about success leaves clues. And, and I, I think that for me, it was really important to bolster somebody else's uh, experience. And so what I did on Bigger Pockets, I, I vetted out a lot of those different people that were active in Kansas City. I found one gentleman that I felt comfortable with. He was an agent. Um, I, I would tour the, the cities um, or the houses on the weekends. And so I would come into Kansas City, we would tour houses, and uh, I would walk the areas. And I was like, well, this seems like a, you know, a nice, uh, vibrant area. And so he kind of really guided me to that first house. And so I moved into that house, actually. Uh, I bought the house, I moved into it. And then I, I was doing a, a Burr strategy, the buy, renovate, rent it out, refinance before I even knew it, but I was going to sell this property. Uh, and I'll tell you why I sold it um, in, in a second or two. But um, so he helped kind of guide me to that first property. I, I brought a um, a friend of mine in to pay the mortgage as, as a tenant. And so I had my first rental property, but I was also living in it. So I did the house hack whole situation. Well, two years later, I, after I had, I had played general contractor on the project, uh, I had met my wife and I was like, Hey, sweetheart, you know, uh, I, I proposed, she said, yes. I said, well, do you want to move into this house? And she said, I will absolutely not uh, move into a house that I know other women have been in. And so, um, you know, I, I couldn't necessarily ignore that fact and I didn't want to deny that fact. So, uh, I decided to uh, sell that house. And when we sold that house, we, we made a nice little, um, uh, you know, bucket of money. And, and that's what, that's, what's all walking around on her finger uh, every single day. So every time she gives me heck about, you know, um, you know, being in real estate and, and so focused on work and things like that, I say, Hey, just look at your finger, sweetheart. Cause that's, that's exactly what bought that big old rock that's on your, on your hand now. But uh, she doesn't listen to this anyway, so I can talk as much as I want about her. Um, but yeah, man, so awesome. that was the, that was the first deal. And then after that, I, yeah. you know, I really got focused on my wife and, and, and learning more about the, the companies that I was working with. I, I, and I just was, you know, putting money away, putting money away. And so I didn't do another, really another deal until my first big commercial deal. And so there's a nice gap there that I help that I can talk to that help, you know, bridge from going to my, from my first single family home uh, to buying a, a 15,000 square foot, you know, commercial building that needed, you know, million dollar renovation. And so um, that, that's the first yeah. deal. It was, it was help, helping, you know, getting into uh, a relationship with a mentor that could help guide me through the process. Yeah. And we'll get into some of the partnerships and the creative JVs that you've done, which is a theme of a lot of your investments and strategy of just partnering with the right people, being creative, adding value, and then you can have that one plus one equals three effect. So uh, right. yeah, if you could talk to how you then took that to then doing a much larger deal, because I think just to preface, a lot of people are, they hear somewhat conflicting points of advice. Some say, you need to do a lot of small deals to get that experience to do a big one. Then you hear some people say, jump yep. in and do the big one. They wish they would have done that on the front end. So uh, curious, because you made a pretty big leap. So uh, which of those camps are you in or how did you make the, the jump? So the camp that I'm in is, is 
what Stephen Covey would say, starting with the end in mind and making sure that I understand each person's perspective in their unique scenario. It's very difficult to only have two camps, right? Robert Kiyosaki is always saying there's three sides of the coin. There's heads, there's tails, and then there's the edge. I'm always on the edge, man, being open to everything and attached to nothing. And so I, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily in one or two of those camps unless I understood where that person is coming from. And I hear, you know, how much time that they actually have how many, how many dollars that they actually have? What are they trying to actually accomplish? Is it income, depreciation, equity buildup, appreciation, or leverage? And so until I know those questions, it's really difficult. What I can tell you is that Bigger Pockets does a fantastic job of moving money off of Wall Street and into Main Street. But what it does do, and it, they're, they're shifting. If you see their content, they're shifting to a lot more people like Paul Moore and, and Matt Faircloth and, and all these guys on Bigger Pockets. Uh, Brian Burke, I think, is very active on, on Bigger pockets but when they first started six seven eight nine years ago whenever that was it was all single family homes and and that was great uh it helped you understand that and so what what that allowed me to do was like okay well um let me understand exactly other the other facets of of real estate and you know during this period of time is when i was fired and so i i went on as a head of acquisitions for a 50 million dollar fund here in Kansas City, and they were buying single-family homes, applying the Burr strategy, um, and, and they have over 250 doors now um, in Kansas City, and I helped them get the majority of those doors. And so, what I got to learn through that process was, you don't buy a house because you like the house; you're buying an income stream, and there's actual facts behind that income stream that influence it. There's demographics, there's location, there is rehab, there's all of these things that you can actually control based on the decisions that you make. And so I said, well, I, you know, I watched, I did over a hundred plus transactions in the single family home side. And I said, well, I see the, the benefits of it, but I see the benefits of it at scale. And then I, then I started mm. to think, okay, well, what if there was one roof and a hundred doors, you know? And I was like, that, that starts to make me a little bit more interested. And so I started to pick up books like Joe Fairless's best ever apartment syndication book. I started to pick up books like uh, uh, the millionaire real estate investor, um, what was another one at that time that really helped me out? Um, you know, Michael Blanc's podcast and his, his type of content really expanded that for me. And so I'm an, I'm an action taker, meaning I like to uh, make, you know, strategic decisions, but I take action that backs them up. And so making those mm -hmm. decisions and taking that action allowed me to uh, kind of get in the game really, really early. But I also knew that I needed a mentor. I needed somebody who had done it before. So what I had, what I had done is I took the, the knowledge that I had from all those single family homes. And I said, okay, I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly from doing, you know, scale of, of doing a single family home. And if, if I wanted to do that, you know, I could have, but I wanted to be on the, the, the sponsor and principal side of that business, not the landlord who has 50 single family homes. Cause I have buddies in Kansas city who have that. And they're asking me, how do I get out of this? What do I do? How do I get into these larger deals that you're doing? And it's, and it's almost a mental trap. Once you have getting, gotten in yourself into thinking of that smaller, you know, kind of capacity and you don't allow yourself to crush those limiting beliefs and get into the commercial real estate world, there's a lot that goes on in that kind of magma between the two. And it's difficult to make that gap. So if I can catch somebody at the beginning of their investor career, I said, look, you know, just don't even think about single family homes. Ask yourself questions that are going to pull you up 
and and you you're going to cre you know create problems that you have to solve to get into the larger ones and if you can't do that right now that's okay but don't go do a single family home in Oklahoma when you live in New York City, when you don't know anybody in Oklahoma, you've never been in Oklahoma, you don't know who your property manager is, you don't know who anybody is there, and you have a terrible transaction in which you don't make much money on, it's a real headache, and now you're never going to get into commercial real estate or real estate in general. So I just try to take the approach of understanding where mm -hmm. this person is, what they're trying to accomplish, and then allow them to see that you can make decisions by asking yourself specific questions that will, will help answer, you know, get you the answers that you need to be able to scale your, your business up. I, and I, I don't know if that answers the question, but I, I'm trying to, to showcase the fact that, you know, neither camp is right or wrong or, or bad or good. Uh, it really depends on the unique situation that that person is in and what they're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. That's, that's more of a principled answer that it's not one size fits all. It does depend on where you think you want to go, or maybe you don't even know enough to know where you want to go. So you need to get a little more educated. That's right. Um, I couldn't agree with that more. Like, like for me, I've had a shift in mindset from that too, because I started with house hacking and single families, one totally. to four units. I still do believe that for people that are looking to get in the game and they need a primary house hacking is a good way to get in the game. But yeah, what I did find more so than ever is that, the people that go from single family to multis, um, the main benefits I found from single families were you can have maybe in some cases tenants that stay longer and it's a little bit more of a stable asset, but if it's not, it's right there, you've lost your entire benefit. If you have turnover or something bad happens, it's one roof, high capex. Uh, and the biggest mindset shift for me, as far as why multis four or five and up is better than one to four, uh, is because of the value add opportunity by increasing NOI and controlling that so much more. So um, just if you could touch on that, I'd love to hear your opinion as far as your model. And, and for someone that's out there who doesn't really understand the concept of value add in a single family home or one to four versus five and up, uh, how much more I believe controllable it is to add value than a single family or small property. Yeah, I would say the biggest point of, of that is your single family home valuations, one to four, even duplexes and fourplexes, your appraisal is going to come in based on the comps around your area. And yeah, sure, they're going to look at the income, but I've had multiple appraisals back in the day when I was doing triplexes, fourplexes, uh, duplexes that I, you know, I could show them the value of, of a cap rate and the income that it was spitting off, but they didn't care. They wanted to know what is the, you know, two mile radius or one mile radius around this property and what are those other properties selling for? That's the value that they gave it. And so it's very important to understand that, you know, in a market, you have different neighborhoods, you have different pockets. And with those smaller properties, you do not have as much control. Because if somebody sells, you know, down the road, a single family home or a duplex for 100k less than yours, that's really going to hurt your appraisal. And, you know, I've been back and forth with appraisers so much in my life that, you know, at the end of the day, their, it's their final say. And, and so it's, it's really mm -hmm. difficult to make business decisions based on something that you can't control, right? You know, control is one of the five commandments yep. of business, right? You have to have control, a high barrier of entry, a big need. You have to be able to, you know, step away from your time and you have to be able to scale it. And that first one is control. And so in these larger properties, man, I would just say that this, this is so much more of a uh, of a business. And what I mean by that is think about the person who's managing that single family home for you. And what are they making? 10%, 9% of gross revenues. So if they're, it's a thousand dollar, you know, a month, they're making what 90 bucks a month. 
you're going to get a 90 buck a person, dollar a person, you know, instead of you've got a hundred units and you got 6% of gross rents or 5%, whatever it is. And you've got yep. a team, a business behind that, that is managing your, your asset. And when a roof goes down in a single family home or a water heater or an AC condensing unit or a flood in that single family home, the whole, you know, your tenant is going to be, you know, it's going to affect them very adversely. And then you, if they move out, you're, you're really in trouble. But if you have a hundred units and you have five vacancies, that's normal. And you just have to try to keep your, your occupancy up. So it's just more or less about the, the scalability of the, the control that you have in relation to marketing to the people that you're working with from the business perspective and then in then not having people just freak out like i've been in this business long enough now that it's it just there's too much good stuff in this world to focus on and whenever you feel like you know you have to do one specific thing to make one specific person happy it's like man you your life just gets boiled down to this one little single point and you know i don't want anybody's happiness to be or their success to be you know predicated on one person one house one project i mean it's just life is too short to be focused on on that so i mean that's that'd be my perspective on 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 kind mm -hmm. of the value valuations around those two deals before we dig into your first larger deal the the million plus uh renovation of the commercial property i just yep. want to get your opinion or perspective on something i'm sure you you and I, one thing that i love you do amongst many is every week your your weekly uh write-up the conversations yep. you had what you learned your outlook on stuff just a great snapshot for people that uh are maybe thinking about how can they look at their week in review and that's a good way to do it who did i talk to this week or what, what was my my uh, outcome of this week. But um, you talk to a lot of investors, um, people that are established or just starting. And I'm sure you see it time and time again, people that have trouble getting started. They have yeah. trouble taking that first step, that first right. action step. So within the concept of doing the work, whether you're planning a business or planning for your life, how do you view the distinction between research and execution? Like how much should you be planning for your work versus how much should you actually be doing it? What's your view on that? Yeah, you know, my, my view on that is there's, there's a very specific um, book called Strength Finders. And Strength Finders is a book that allows you to uh, take a test and then it gives you five top talents, right? So mine are individualization, which means I can read people really well. I understand what they're needing, what they're not getting. Um, and then no surprise, discipline, focus, competition, an achiever and learner is is in there really really close with one of those as well and so what i try to do is be extremely self-aware and i know what i'm really good at i know what i'm not so good at and i also know what i need help with and so being self-aware allows me to make decisions that will um, kind of help me stay in my sweet spot you know i call this a sweet spot i think ken coleman uh, has a book called the one question or uh, some other book, but I read this. He's a, he's a Dave Ramsey entrepreneur um, leadership guy. And Ken Coleman runs their radio show. He's got this really deep voice and it's, he's fun to, he's fun to listen to. Uh, but it's the great, it's the intersection of your greatest passion and your greatest strength. And, and that's where I try to operate in. And so, for example, when I first got started in this business, I tried to do everything myself. I wore this hat. I wore that hat. I wore uh, everybody else's hat as well. And that led to uh, stress, anxiety, uh, and failure. And so I said, okay, 
uh, not necessarily failure. I, I, I succeeded, but they were succeeding in the sense that I, I brute knuckled them into strength, you know, succeeding, not necessarily a smooth transaction. So what I'm looking for now is mm-hmm. how do I find that, you know, that area of flow, right? Uh, um, you know, there's that book called flow and I love that book. And how do I find flow operate in flow? How do I stay happy and energized on a regular basis? And the way that I do that is being self-aware and knowing where I need to focus my time, effort, and energy on. And so, uh, you know, when I first got started, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I just was taking a bunch of action, running in a lot of different directions and, and not really focusing. What I've learned as I've continued to, to level up is as you put yourself around these multifamily assets, you're, the people that are dealing with these types of, of interactions and these, these deals, those people are dealing with them because they are top of the food chain kind of people. One percenters is what I'm going to call them. And so I've started to surround myself with those one percenters and say, okay, well, what are, what are you really good at? All right, great. What, what do you like to do? fantastic. And then I use my individualization and figure out, okay, I think that we have a cohesive kind of complementary skill set that we can all put to work here. So for example, man, like I don't uh, focus, I, I bring in a lot of business on the brokerage side and on the, on the, on the investor side, but I will not do contracts. I will not do paperwork. I will not do showings. I don't show property. Uh, I don't, I don't go to inspections unless, you know, I'm buying it or an investor needs me to go. But I have people now that are, are really detail oriented across every single kind of process and step that, that allow me to focus in that sweet spot, which is communicating like this with you, like instilling confidence in, in folks that have never been to Kansas City and why is Kansas City a good city? Um, like trying to help people kind of bridge that gap from and crush those limiting beliefs is what Trevor McGregor and Tony Robbins would say is, you know, how do I get past from not having any commercial real estate experience to buying a 15 unit apartment complex? And so that's where my sweet spot lies. You know, that's where I, I can transfer the most energy and I feel uh, definitely more in flow. And so um, every single morning I have this journal. And if you've watched some of these, uh, these, these videos, you probably have seen me show this, this journal, but this is, this is my journal every single morning. So you can see it's very detail oriented. It's very, uh, you know, regimented and focused, but I know exactly what I need to accomplish. These are all my tasks. I got a lot to do today. These are my top three goals. Here's my schedule right? Here's my morning mindset. Who do I want to be today? How do I want to show up? What's one word that, that uh, I want to, you know, exemplify out there in the marketplace. And then I do an evening journal as well that helps me uh, kind of go through my, my day, so to speak, and see how I, how I did. Um, What I would say Mm -hmm. this happens to a lot of folks is they get in this paralysis by analysis and they just don't know when to um, you know, take action. And the best way that you do that is through education, but that's, that can be, you know, analyzing, but you also need to find a relationship, right? You need to find somebody that has done it before and then find somebody that you can trust. And so that is the way that you get into this business. You have to call and talk with 15 different Logans, 15 different Jonathans, right? You have to do that. You have to have those conversations with people and you have to find the ones that will, will, you know, really basically pull you up. And so what I do on a regular basis, instead of being so strategic and planning all the time, I do do that obviously daily and weekly and monthly and quarterly and annually. That's important. (laughs) 
but I don't, after it's set in stone, I go execute because I know this plan is right. And I know I have people around me that are doing the other pieces of the business that are also pulling us up. So it's surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals. That's why masterminds are so important. That's why they're so valuable to folks. It helps pull them up or finding somebody that you can deal with on a one-on-one -on -one basis, either through a coaching program or just digesting content like this. Find somebody who's gracious enough to give their time. You know, I am one of those people. I'm on calls all the time doing this and, and allow mm -hmm. them to kind of pull you in the right direction. But you have to be open to it. You know, you can't change somebody's mind. Like I, I have this book right over here. It's called uh, changing, changing the way people think, you know, and I read that book and I was like, yeah, it's all great, but uh, people are going to do what they want to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> they really are. And uh, ask my wife, you know, if, if changing her, her mind is if I'm successful at that, which I absolutely know I'm not, but you know, I, I think that's a, a roundabout way to say that, you know, you can find a relationship that can pull you up that will allow you to get into this business faster than anything. And that is why all these people are having so much success. Rod Cleef, Michael Blanc, Joe Fairless, all these mm -hmm. guys, they're pulling mm -hmm. people up, right? And helping them see what they need to accomplish. Yeah. So there were so many amazing things that you just said there. The, the couple that stood out to me that, that I really resonate with, um, but it'll be different for everyone. Uh, were the relationships and speaking with people. There is something that I find, and I, I made a post about this yesterday, uh, just about if you don't come out of this quarantine with a mastermind or a new set of relationships, what are you doing? Uh, you've missed one of the biggest opportunities of your life. Yeah. Uh, and and for, for what reason, like not, it's, it's everyone's home right now. And I find it the same way. When I get other people involved, uh, that level of accountability, that level of social proof, and that level of that's right. Masterminding to, to lead to greater, I guess, thinking and just brainstorming. Good things always happen. And now yep. more than ever, uh, it's not like you have to look someone up in a phone book or send a letter to them. Bigger pockets, Facebook groups, podcasts, everyone's contact info is out there. The world has never been smaller from that standpoint. Absolutely. And if you just think about it from taking action after you take in content to your point of making those relationships, you will be amazed. So I challenge actually anyone listening to this right now, if you just listen to this and you want to reach out to Logan or anyone, make a, a goal for yourself of just every day to reach out to one person. Just get a couple X's crossed right. in a row on the calendar. It's the Jerry Seinfeld technique. Yep. And you will start to build momentum in your life and grow a network. I mean, there's nothing, no bad that can come from networking. So yeah. uh, Logan, that is, that is awesome there. So really appreciate that answer. Of course. Um, kind of just like a, another principle concept, but just bringing it back into them, the actual business and how it all kind of transformed for you. A lot of people out here might be in that stage of they've done a couple deals. They're thinking about taking on that first bigger one. I'm actually in a similar stage to that right now. I have eight units. Uh, right now I'm prospecting on a couple 20 to 30 unit yeah. size deals. It's a step up. So for you, uh, what was the mindset? How did the deal come together uh, funding wise? How'd you find it and, and how'd you put it together from a team? Yeah. So, you know, I make the big shift from kind of doing single family homes into the commercial world you know, I, I, I had, you know, exposure from the brokerage side as well, which was great, right? So I represented sellers that have already, you know, bought multifamily properties. So I got a lot of experience watching them go through the process, right? So I, I, I talked to bankers, I talked to appraisers, I went through inspections, I went through retrades. So I, I had some exposure from just understanding the process from a rudimentary level. So that gave me some confidence. But, you know, it was, it was really just through my network in Kansas City, I was able to come into this, this deal 
um, that was down in the crossroads of Kansas City. It was a fantastic property. Uh, you know, I knew the location was really well. I knew the owner had owned it for a long time. And, uh, you know, I really sat down and went through my books on how to, you know, rep, you know, I guess, present different options. So I tried the creative financing route on a few different things. I tried some owner financing and, and printed all these nice things up and took them to these folks. And, and, you know, I got my first real big deal from a, a lady who's been in business for, I mean, Unfortunately, Judy is not with us anymore, but I bought this, this building from her that she has in, in probably one of the most premier locations in the crossroads. And, and uh, I, I was able to do that from, you know, being able to just talk the talk, understand what she needed throughout the, the whole process, but also just being a good person. I mean, the, the opportunity didn't fall in my lap. I made the opportunity. So that was, I had to take action to get the opportunity. But after that was really focused on me trying to build a relationship with them. But the way that I structured my first couple deals was not through kind of a true syndication is it was more of a joint venture structure where I was legitimately reading out of um, either this book or Robert Helms book. I can't remember which book it was, but I was, I found a project or that project. And I, I called a couple investors out of California that I had good relationship with. And I said, Hey, you know, I found this deal and, uh, you know, it needs a ton of renovation. Um, you know, it's, it's in a great location. Uh, I think it's got a lot of potential and it needs somebody here on the, on the boots on the ground to, to really focus on the rehab and, and placing tenants and all this different stuff. So it's pretty complex. It was a mixed use commercial asset. And not, so not just a multifamily deal. And, and I, I opened the book up to the structure side of, of, you know, what that looks like. And, it, and I read it, I read this, you know, word by word, I said, okay, well, what if we structured the project like this, there would be an 80 percent, you know, split to you, a 20% split to me, I would be the asset manager, and you would get an eight and a half percent preferred return on your dollars. Uh, but, you know, yada, yada, yada. And they were like, wow, I never really thought about that before. That sounds really good to us. Can you put that into a pro forma for us? So I went back home, I got on my Michael Blanc's syndicated deal analyzer, where I learned about all of this stuff. And I plugged it in, and the returns look great. You know, he's got a great uh, underwriting sheet that every I'm in I'm in Michael's uh, mastermind group. You should you should definitely check it out. But I, I and I presented that to them and we closed a you know our, our first my first large acquisition was you know a, a two million dollar uh, commercial building that had been vacant for golly twenty plus years that needed a million plus in renovations and I structured it that way uh, through you know reading a book you know word for word and 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 presenting it because I had done the research I had done the the activity beforehand and and that kind of proved to be a, a nice model so I did that two or three more times and then uh, was exposed to the kind of larger syndication model and started to to put more of the uh, the GPLP kind of uh, passive investor type pro projects put together in Kansas City. Yeah, that's just awesome. That's really cool. I, yeah. I, guys, you couldn't see exactly where, if, if you're just listening to the audio, where Logan's eyes went. I, it looked like he was reading something. But the point of that is, if you read something, the answers are in the book, the podcast, the YouTube video. Write down the script. Yep. Copy them word for word if you need to at the beginning. They work. It doesn't need to be overcomplicated. Uh, like oh. this book right here, best ever book. We both have it on our desk right now. This book probably has 20 scripts in it. How to talk to brokers. Exactly. What questions to ask the property managers. What Logan just talked about, he was a beginner. He did have experience. So he worked his way up with that. But he just pulled out scripts from a book and a just book. used them on people that may not have read that same book, or even if they did, no one remembers everything yeah. from a book. It doesn't matter. 
But anyway, it's, it's all out there. The template is out there. And what you did is I think just bridged kind of the, the earlier question of analysis with then putting it into action because you had the tools. You were equipped right. and then you put it into place. So you plug the hole with the useful tool. So that is seriously awesome. Uh, one last thing before we move into just where your business has grown to today. Sure. Uh, if you could just talk to the difference between a lot of people uh, may get confused or are confused with joint venture versus syndication. Yeah. How do you think about the difference? Why did you do one versus the other starting out? Yeah, so I think that the litmus test of a syndication is if somebody is is investing dollars with you and expecting a return and uh, not doing anything, uh, that is a syndication. Whatever you want to call it, you know, if if somebody gives you 150 grand or $50,000 and they're expecting a return and not doing anything from a material participation standpoint, you probably got yourself a syndication. Now, with that being said, I am not a, lo- a lawyer or an attorney. Uh, you know, let's throw the disclaimers out there. Um, a joint venture <laughs> is more of a, okay, uh, you you have defined roles and responsibilities. You know, I might bring some dollars to the table. You might bring some dollars to the table. You might sign on the loan. We might both sign on the loan. Uh, I'm going to actively manage the project. You are going to work on other parts of the business for this for this project, maybe dealing with the contractor, dealing with the loan. And, and you have kind of these defined roles and responsibilities. And there's only maybe two to three folks in, in kind of a joint venture. If you start getting above kind of three people and, and one, and especially if there's only a money partner involved, then you probably got yourself a, a syndication, whether you'd like to call it that or not. Uh, there's a lot of great resources out there. Mauricio Raud is always putting out great content around, you know, what is a syndication, what is not, all of those different things. I'm definitely not an expert in that. Uh, Joe talks about it in his book. So does Hunter uh, in this book, Raising Capital for Real Estate. Um, and they have some great resources there as well. But joint venture is more of a, uh, you know, you both are being actively uh, managing the asset. You're very both, uh, both very, in, you know, involved in the day-to-day operations of the project. Got it. Okay. And that, it seems like more people, at least on maybe smaller projects or projects where they're taking on more partners in a territory or even out of a territory, it's, it's a lower lift as far as all the legal the securities exchange, you don't need all that for a JV. You can just come up with an agreement, figure out roles and responsibilities and get to work. So it seems like it's a little bit less uphill than a quote unquote syndication with waterfalls and different distributions, hurdles, very complicated, scary stuff on the outside. So it just, it's a simpler way to get in. So awesome. Absolutely. Um, Logan, can you just bring us up to speed on what you're doing today, where this business has grown into? Uh, You've done so much kind of on the climb and uh, accumulated a lot of units and and just doing so much activity. So where's the business today? Yeah. So, you know, what we're focused on now is, you know, we have kind of two businesses. I I do a little bit of brokerage, meaning if somebody has a big 1031 exchange that they need to place into Kansas City, I definitely am on the forefront of helping them find a, a multifamily or a triple net lease investment opportunity and, 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 and do, you know, one to two of those transactions a month. But more, more or less my time is focused on finding great opportunities in Kansas City that impact the community in a positive way. So I'm really focused on ending homelessness in Kansas City and, and, and affordable housing. And so 
I found this kind of, again, the sweet spot of, okay, commercial real estate, my mission and passion to, to help in homelessness and get people integrated back into everyday life and, 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 and get them the services and, and help that they might need. Um, and, and so I've been putting these projects together in Kansas City from more of a uh, allowing these passive investors to get all the same benefits of investing into commercial real estate without having to deal with what I call the three T's, toilets, tenants, and trash. And so you can, you know, effectively uh, get ownership, uh, get all the same benefits and, and the tax benefits and everything of owning commercial real estate without having to answer the phone when the tenants call. And so I've got a couple of business partners on that front. You probably see me tag a lot of people in and Parker Webb and Corey Tuck. And we're really focused on, on uh, the multifamily side of things and, and bringing good investment opportunities, but also community, you know, we, Parker and I both sit on the board of a nonprofit here called Restart that we're actively involved in master leasing pro properties for for these for their clients and just really believe in that mission and that purpose but at the same time you know we do a lot of affordable housing projects that um you know take something old and and maybe ugly ugly and make it somewhat pretty i'm not saying we do you know really really pretty renovations by any means but what we are doing is providing <laughs> housing that people can afford and it's safe and they feel good about living there and so uh, that's where the business is today we we're actively you know talking with a lot of investors on a regular basis, making sure that we're finding good apartment complexes here in the Kansas City metro area that we can add value to. And, and, and then also it's a win-win for a lot of our kind of high net worth individuals that don't have the time or, or, you know, frankly, they might just be in that paralysis by analysis and say, look, this isn't for me and I need you to manage this money. And it's just an asset allocation. And, and that's great too. But it's a, it, I found this great passion of mine where I can put housing, I can put uh, making a business for myself and then making passive investors, you know, dollars and allowing them to get to their financial freedom as well. So marrying all three of those things is, is a very energizing why on a regular basis for me. And, and uh, so that's what we're focused on today here in Kansas city. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. And just hearing that uh, like real estate is one of those businesses that does affect the community so positively in addition to helping make people money and profit, but it has a direct impact on the community and the lives that you can see. So you're, you're definitely checking both boxes. Absolutely. Uh, just cause I want it on, on the record. How many, just because when we talk again in probably a month or the next uh, quarter, I hear a podcast, how many units are you up to and uh, or assets under management and how many investors are you working with at the moment? Yeah, so we just got done onboarding a new uh, investor management uh, system, which is super exciting. Can't believe we haven't had one of those um, uh, up to this up to this point. But uh, Parker, Corey, and myself are up to about 5,500 units across seven states now. Wow. But highly highly focused in in Kansas City metro area now, and and we're stay tuned because we took all three of our businesses and we've converged them into one big conglomerate business. And we're launching that in the near future that we're really, really excited about. And we've got a, probably another pipeline, uh, at least right now of, of probably one to 1500 more units here in Kansas city this year. Wow. That's awesome. Mind you sharing any of the other States you're in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, Oh, uh, that's, I think that's, that's the, that's the gist of it. Yeah. That's, that's most of them right there. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and last question before we go to the show wind down day to day currently, what are, what are you looking at as the most important activities to run your business, push your business forward? Yeah, it's, it's really putting kind of these systems in place that allow us to 
uh, focus on our what we call our profit producing activities. And it's really important because it's difficult to um, manage your inbox. It's difficult because I've got four inboxes, right? So it's difficult to do that. It's difficult to to put these these content pieces together all the time. It's difficult to manage the properties. So what we're what we're trying to do right now is create kind of this this whole ecosystem of what we call KPIs or or kind of key, key performance indicators with the action that we're taking. We're trying to make sure everything is measurable. So for example, on LinkedIn, Logan, how many times did you post this week? What what benefits came out of that? Okay, on all the cold calls that you're doing. You know, how many did you make? What came out of that? On the paid advertising that you, you're getting ready to start, we have not done it yet. But what are the, what's the ROI on that? What about your LinkedIn lead generation? What about this, this, and this? And, and trying to put some measurables around that so we understand how to continue to grow the business. But then again, okay, what happens when somebody comes in and requests more information? Whose responsibility is it to reach out to them? When, do, when are they getting communicated to? So um, integrating all of these different systems like Zoho, like LinkedIn, like uh, Syndication Pro, like uh, all of these different things that we've got into one robust system that allows us to have a dashboard and know what we're doing and, 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 and why is extremely important. So Ray Dalio is a, a big mentor of mine. I, I call him a mentor because his book principles is extremely important in, 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 you know, just building a business. So trying to be radically transparent, right. And making sure that we can accept feedback from our clients, from uh, each other, but then also, you know, understanding whose role and responsibility is what and making sure that we have the right people on the right seat and the bus is heading in the right direction, right? So, um, you know, we've got uh, some new relationships that we're starting to um, delegate a lot more to, which is exciting because that allows me to continue to operate in that sweet spot. So we've been using this time to, you know, double down, like Grant Cardone would say, I know you mentioned him earlier, but uh, we're taking this time to double down on our marketing, our advertising and putting these systems in, in place so that when this, this, you know, coronavirus does kind of, we get back to somewhat of a new normal, uh, we're hitting the ground running and we're not, we're not hamstring by all the stuff that we haven't done quite yet. 100%. Just have to ask this because you're so active on LinkedIn right now. It's part of these activities. Are you looking at most of your, your main KPIs? Are they more around marketing or sales, would you say? It's definitely marketing right now. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. the marketing piece because, you know, it's, it's, under, it's, it's difficult to understand, you know, when you think about a marketing strategy and a marketing plan, what activities are bringing you actual return on investment. So Michael Blanc always coaches to, to look at what's the what's the dollar amount that an investor, it, it, it costs you to get that client, right? Whenever it was back in sales, it was, okay, what's the, the dollar amount tied to a new, what's that client acquisition, um, you know, cost or, or whatever. So, mm -hmm. you know, Mark, it's going to start with the marketing side of things. And from a sales perspective, we take an educational approach. So there's, you know, there's a lot of, of education that has to go from you know, when somebody just downloads your ebook all the way to actually investing in a deal. And so that sales process is organic. It is happening on a regular basis. And we're trying to build the sales process that allows us not to have to be necessarily in front of the camera or on the phone all of the time. We're not there yet. We're trying to build towards that, but we're definitely not there yet. 
And so that's, we're trying to document that process to say what pieces, what pieces can we automate and what pieces do we actually need to be involved in? Because this is a relationship business. I would not be in the place that I am today if I didn't take a very close relationship with my investors. I know them all by their name. I know their wives' names. They all get barbecue for me on a regular basis. You know, we're, 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 you know, we're, we're friends, man. Like we're friends. And that's, that's mm-hmm. the hard thing is like, I know when God, you get to scale and you're, you've got a hundred thousand investors or a thousand investors, whatever it is, you know, it's very difficult to have that personal relationship. So we have about 150 key core, um, you know, individuals that we, we work with on a regular basis. That number is growing rapidly now we're, we're adding mm-hmm. about, I think last week I added about 20 new folks. This week is about 11. And so those are just new relationships that have to be cultivated. But folks that we have been talking to for the last three years, we have about 150 of them uh, that we work with on a regular basis. Absolutely. Uh, man, I feel like we could go on and we could do uh, another two hours of this. We might need a part two. Um, <laughs> well, we can absolutely do that. <laughs> we will, man. There's a lot here. Uh, love the mindset. And I Absolutely. think that's a good segue into uh, just the quick show wind down. If, if you have a few more minutes, just you some bet. rapid fire, short answer questions. Um, okay. I, I almost feel like and it's a perfect segue, dude. I feel like I'm talking to a, a, a vessel of Tony because you're coming through with all the, the mindset, the principles, the, the foundation to then go out and execute. So this question is uh, around who you surround yourself with. Yep. Who do you surround yourself with on a day-to-day basis from either a coach mastermind or inner circle uh, that helps you be successful? And what advice do you have for someone out there that's considering one or all of the above? Yeah. So, you know, your spouse is extremely important. And uh, I always tell people like, um, you, you have to find somebody that is going to allow you to continue to grow. And, you know, there's like this mantra of, I don't know if it was crabs in a bucket or, or whatever, but whenever like these crabs in this bucket were trying to get out, the, the other crabs would start cutting their cutting their legs or their claws off so they couldn't get out of the bucket, right? So like you have to make sure that you, you're focused on allowing, allowing the people that you spend most time with to allow you to grow and they're not going to hold you back. So your spouse, extremely important. They need to be on the same, the same late wavelength as you or at least on board with what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, my wife thinks, I mean, all, all my wife's friends think I'm, I'm weird and different because I'm working all the time. I'm, I'm you know, they're like, wait, you, you're buying apartment complexes? Like, what, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. And they're like, we're, show, show the rock. Yeah. And they're, they're like, well, we're just trying to figure out how to pay off our student loans. I'm saying, well, I can help you with that too. You know, you got to make more money. Um, but at the same time, so it's, it's really important to do that. So uh, I read on a regular basis from um, some really specific folks. And Grant Cardone's 10X Rule is a book that I read every three months. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always focused on reading things from Oren Cloth uh, with Pitch Anything and Flip the Script because I've identified a few key skills that I want to make sure that I, I develop. And communication, sales, presenting, and, and speaking is definitely one of those. And Oren is a master communicator. And so that's one skill. So I, I try to you know, follow him from a regular basis, but I, I'm not necessarily the guy that wants to, I used to be this guy, I want to read all these books and just read, 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 read. Now I'm like, okay, instead of focusing on, you know, information overload, I'm focusing on mastery. So mastery versus information overload. And mm-hmm. so, uh, but there's always guys like Tony Robbins and, and these, these folks that I, I know if I'm feeling a little bit 
uh, down or I'm feeling like I, I really messed up a call or I didn't ask the right questions. Maybe I'll jump into never split the difference and, and see what I did wrong in my book. So, so I, I write these book reviews from these core books, right? So pitch anything, flip the script, um, never split the difference, uh, awaken the giant within the Bible. And uh, there's one other one. Uh, it's a Wayne Dyer book. The, this, the, here it is. This book right here. Little, little 10 Secrets of Success of Inner Peace hmm. by Wayne Dyer. So I'm rotating these books all of the time. Um, and I'm, I'm also digesting new information through an app called Blink List, I think is, or Blinkist. I don't know. It's one of the two. But basically it takes mm-hmm. books and digests them down to like 14 or 15 main points. And I'm reading probably seven to 10 of those new ones a day. And if I find one that was really interesting to me, I will then go buy the book and read it. But instead of I like that. instead of buying all these books and and I love having a master you know massive library, but instead of buy, buying all these books and, and everything, I uh, I do it that way now and, and focus on mastery instead of information overload. And I do I do really consider these guys that write these books as my mentors. Um, I really do. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's kind of how I'm I'm focusing on that. But again, I use music. Um, like you mentioned, I was listening to some Eric Church right before we got on the call. Um, I use, uh, you know, this guy Peter Vogt has has music on on uh, on Spotify that is kind of personal development, but also has beats to it. I use Olani Shobo, who's got a podcast called Sports Motivation Podcast. I use mm. um, all of these different resources to kind of juice me up on a regular basis. But I I know the skill that I'm going to try to accomplish, and I just I just I just focused in on that one skill and I use this mantra of Tim Ferriss and Darren Hardy. They say, what's the one decision that you can make that frees up a thousand others? Well, right now hmm. it's, I'm going to focus on, you know, pitch anything and Oren class book. I'm going to focus on every book. I got 12 books here and they're all about raising capital. So I'm going to focus on that in my, my, so I just make that one decision. And when there's a new book out and people are like, Hey, have you read it? Not yet, but I do have a book club as well. That I, I foster mm-hmm. with Jerome Myers and me and Jerome have this book club and pitch anything is the book. And we're going through another FBI book, uh, you know, called sizing people up next month that we're going to be starting on. So um, I'm just trying to all the time, you know, put myself around people who are wanting to learn, wanting to elevate themselves. And then on a business perspective, legitimately partnering with people who are already doing it and learning from them and adding value. That's, that's the best way that I know how to learn. I love that. And even just the way that you're methodically going through books now, you're picking at the pieces that you need today instead of absorbing or trying to absorb That's all right. the content that might not be applicable. So really, really like that. Um, you answered a bunch in that one of just like content absorption, like books and content. So, so we can just kind of move to a couple at the end here. Awesome. Um, anything that you think about as far as leverage, outsourcing tasks, he talked about it before a little that you, you won't do certain responsibilities. Do you have a, a team that helps you with that virtual assistant? Some people are listening here. They don't know how to put those in place. So anything you recommend for, for people? Yeah. So I have a, I have a full-time social media website marketing person that I pay a good salary to um, that handles a lot of different stuff on, on all the graphics and yeah, we're doing a lot of email marketing in the background. So making sure that Zoho CRM is tied to the website that's tied to all this different stuff and, and editing podcasts, things like that. Uh, so that person is full-time. I have a full-time virtual assistant that is legitimately making calls to accredited investors and talking to people, setting meetings up for myself. 
um, mm. on a regular basis. And then I have another uh, full-time uh, person that is doing uh, some LinkedIn stuff for me, as well as writing and ghostwriting on the on on blogs for me. So I'll give them topics. Uh, they'll put some pen to paper. I'll say no, 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 yes, yes, yes. We'll move some stuff around. We, we'll create new blogs that way as well. So on any given in any given day, I've got probably four to five people you know, working on the brand, working on social media, working on the content that allows me to get in front of the right people, but also get them educated with the right type of content. So my, I guess my, my advice would be go to upwork.com, put up a job description and start talking with these people. Um, there's no other way to do it other than, you know, having clear expectations up front, but then talking with the right people that you can gel with. You have to be able to understand them. You have to be able to communicate with them. But like my, my investor relations team is, you know, putting in 45 to 50 hours a week right now. Uh, and they're all in the Philippines. And so, uh, you, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can be done. Um, and, and it works and it, and it's working for me and they can handle a lot of different tasks. I had this lead list of, it was 500 pages long of a PDF. I sent it to them. I paid them $250 and they, and there was two of them. I paid them $250. They took five or a thousand pages of PDFs and inputted every single one into Zoho in less than three days. What? So yeah. It's out there. And if, if people want to connect with me and talk more about how I, I go about that, um, I definitely, and recommendations on vendors that I've used in the past, I'm happy to do that. Awesome. Okay. We'll definitely uh, tee that up and we'll link it. Um, any, uh, oh, before we do that, what's, uh, what's next for you this year in 2020? You know, formalizing my business relationship with Parker and Corey is extremely important, um, you know, and, and focusing on that. So our new company is going to be called FTW Investments and, and we're really excited about launching that. And, uh, you know, we're, our goal is another thousand units by the end of this year. Uh, so that's, that's going to be really focused. I have my second child on the way. Wow. I have a baby, I have a baby boy going to be here in, in July. So being uh, what I call a hero husband and a hero father to my daughter and to my new son in July is, is ne- what's next for me. So uh, having two babies under two is awesome. keeping me busy and building a business, having a business and the brokerage. I got plenty to work on. What's the best way for people to follow you, learn about you, and uh, interact with your content? Yeah, so website is livefreeinvestments.com. But, you know, LinkedIn is a fantastic way to follow the content that I'm posting on a regular basis, engaging with folks all the time. And my name is just Logan Freeman. And I've just changed my profile picture because, I, I you know, there was just uh, my wife needed to – to kind of give me some some crap again, she said, "Hey, you need to you need to get an updated picture on there." So uh, I did change my profile picture after talking with a couple of LinkedIn gurus, and and uh, so, but you'll be able to notice me. I'm a big, tall, tan-looking, you know, dark-headed guy, and and I don't know how many more Logan Freemans there are on there that are as active as me. Is my goal is my goal to be the most active Logan Freeman on LinkedIn? That's that's what I'm talk, talking about right there. You're well on your way to that goal. I have no doubt about it. Uh, second to last question of the show, what would you tell your younger self just starting out knowing everything you know now? You know, be patient with results, but impatient with action. Patient with results, but impatient with action. Love that. That's like a great combination of Gary and Grant. That's awesome. That's right. Um, we talked about this a little before the show. I know this is kind of your mantra, your lifestyle as well. Add value before you ask for it. So is there anything right now? that you either need help with, support on, something that you don't like doing, but you find yourself doing, that 
or just any way someone can add value, that if they reached out, uh, I'd be starting the relationship off in the right way, trying to add value before asking for value. You know, I, I would say that, uh, you know, for me, it's really important to, well, it's really important to learn about why people are doing what we're doing, right? And so, you know, if you guys watch it, I got the Pope back here. I've got my, my cross up on the, on the wall. You can't quite see it. Maybe if I, there you go. You know, so it's really important for me to understand people's whys and the mission behind it. And I am looking uh, for more folks that are, are well experienced in the nonprofit world that uh, can help kind of me. I, I raise all this money for real estate, which is great, but I'm really interested to know if any of your listeners have experience with the nonprofit sector and how I might approach um, you know, going out to funders to, to help this amazing mission that we're, we're focused on in Kansas City for ending homelessness. And, and I think that pitch is different. Mm. I think the, the approach is different. I don't even know really where to start, or maybe I do, but I, I'd love to talk with anybody in, 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 in about, you know, that, that whole thing that I'm, I'm focusing on. Because I very, I very much feel, you know, called to, to use my strengths and passions and, and relationships to help other people in need. Like I, I got a roof over my head. I got AC, I got water, but a lot of people don't, man. And so um, it's really a passion of mine and, and uh, it's something that I'm trying to learn more about and get better at and continue to work on that mission. Logan, that's awesome, man. So for anyone listening out there, make note of that and try to uh, pitch in for the cause because that is something that is bigger than yourself and bigger than all of us. So That's that's seriously awesome. Logan, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I can't thank you enough for putting out the content that you do on a regular basis. Um, you need to be on stages. You need to have your own, <laughs> I would say, exclusive. You need to vlog, man. You need Whoever is going to reach out to you next, they need to just follow you around the camera, man. Yeah. Like, you need Sirhant 2.0. You need Garrett. Like, you just, it's just the energy, man. Seriously, that, that is what I hope to see from you in the near future. Okay, but I just like want to say thank you for, for carving out some of the time and just putting everything out there that you do. I'm so glad we got connected in just a random way, but through the content that you put out. So before we hop, just want to ask, is there any parting word or uh, last call to action for the audience? I'm going to steal one from my, my man, Grant Cardone, but be great because nothing else pays. Oh man. I love that dude. I watched your grant video to start today. So that's, right. uh, that's perfectly fitting. All right. Well, Logan, thank you so much again, man. Go get it. And uh, best of luck in 2020 and beyond. Thank you so much for having me, man. It was my pleasure. And uh, I really appreciate all the work that you're doing. Hey, you millennial millionaire. Do you want more? Then head to the Millennial Millionaires Through Real Estate Facebook group, where there are tons of step-by-step walkthroughs, tools, templates, and free networking to help you achieve financial freedom through real estate. And if you want Jonathan to help you personally reach your goals, then feel free to set up a one-on-one call in the link below or message him on any social media platform and apply to, well, work with Jonathan. 